Hello, this is Pastor Luke, and you are listening to the Living Hope Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon. Our mission is to grow disciples and multiply churches who will glorify God and transform communities. For more information about our church, please visit our website at livinghopehenderson.com. I want to thank our musicians that serve not only here but in so many of our churches that they lead us, our hearts, to be ready to hear the Word of God and that seems like when we leave here, those songs stick with us, at least they do for me for a long time. Um, I would say that I sing them, but that's not allowed in my household. They don't like to hear me sing. My children love them, tell me that I'm a prison singer. I told the guys at the sound booth here. Uh, so what is a prison singer? Well, they forgot, I guess. Yeah. I'm a prison singer because I'm always behind a few bars. <laughs> and I don't have the right key. <laughs> this morning I'm going to be preaching on the topic of living life on purpose. And it's for me, it is a way of kind of doing a gut check on what it looks like to be a good father. But I also think that it's a way of looking at how I am impacting the world. Because I think all of us are commanded to impact the world for the kingdom of God. And I think even though it's Father's Day, the rest of you can listen in because I think there's some principles here that we can look at. The verse that I'm going to be using is Psalm 71, verse 18. And this verse is from David. And David, you know, he basically says in verse 17, he says, you know, when I was young, you were there. And then this is my verse, and maybe it's yours too. Even to old age and gray hairs, O God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation in your power to all those who are yet to come. I think most of us want to have an influence on the world, don't we? We want to have an influence in our schools, in our our homes. We, We want to have an influence that's positive wherever we go. It is so exciting when we have that opportunity to participate in the furtherance of God's kingdom. How many of you have ever had that moment when somebody says, you know, you spoke a word to me that I needed to hear at just the right time? Or you said something, or you did something, and I was reminded again of the fact that we serve a good, good Father. All of us want to have that type of an influence. Now, I was here one year ago in July. July 31 last year was my last year as the Central District Minister. Uh, My mom and uh, about 30 other people had lost their homes in a fire in Hutchinson, Kansas that swept through. I don't know if you remember that or not. But my mom turns 88 this year, and she lost everything. And she says, I don't have anything to pass on to you now. My mom was the oldest, and she was the oldest of 11 and the only girl, right? How about that? Yeah. And my dad, he was... uh, Uh, Well, at the age of, I believe it was 32, he was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. At the age of 38, he was on full disability, and he passed away at 58. And my mom basically has held us all together all of these years, and she's worried 
that somehow or another we're not going to get some trinket to remember her by. The reality is she's influenced us a lot. But the idea that somehow or another these people have impacted us and they will continue to impact us whether they're with us or whether they're not with us. And I think that for me, that becomes sort of the driving edge of what it means to be a good father and also what it means for us to follow God's leading. And so July 31, I was the district minister. On August the 1st, I became the financial director of, uh, excuse me, I'm the financial director of discipleship. They always put those words together. And part of what I get to do is to participate in education. I get to participate in giving out uh, materials. I work with the lead gen scholarships, trying to help those who are going into the ministry find ways to pay for their education. I get to have a lot of fun, but I also work with an incredible group of people at the MB Foundation. And it's, it's an exciting place because you think, well, it's, it's a, what is foundation, right? Everybody says it's kind of like a bank, right? Well, yes and no. I mean, you know, a bank gathers money, and they manage the money, and they distribute the money, but the profits always go back to their bottom line. And at MB Foundation, uh, we get to do a lot of great and neat things with it. And so what I get to see on a daily basis is how God is using individuals to influence other people. And so I get excited about it. The mission statement for MB Foundation says that we are there to encourage Biblical principles of financial stewardship and generosity, and that's my job. I get to do that, encouraging biblical principles of financial stewardship and generosity, leading to the gathering, management, and distribution of financial resources for Christ and his kingdom. So let me tell you a couple of stories, maybe three, right? Nobody's going anywhere today, right? There's nothing else going on. Well, I want to tell you that where I was last Sunday, Last Sunday, I was in a place called Owatonna, Minnesota. Have anybody ever heard of that? Yeah, we've got a, a crackerjack guy there by the name of Christian Coes. Uh, I think he's only been there about maybe five years now. And it's been an incredible journey for him. And they started out their church in his basement with just a few people. And it continued to grow. And then they got another place. And then they, they went to a small church where they were allowed to, 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 to uh, minister there. It was a Seventh-day Adventist church, so they had it there every Sunday. Well, they got kicked out because they brought in a popcorn popper, and the whole church smelled like popcorn. They had the VBS. The next week, they said, you stunk up our church. Would you please leave? I mean, they've gone through all kinds of different things, and they were looking for a place, and the city of Owatonna wasn't helping. And they were down to their last, you know, prayer, God, you have to do something. And they were looking in the real estate ads. They, they talked to everybody. They were looking at empty buildings. And one parishioner came up and says, you know, uh, my neighbor goes to the Baptist church in downtown Owatonna that is right next to those big uh, buildings there for the insurance company and it's the center of town it's this beautiful limestone church i mean it is huge seats about 300 people and they're going to close the church there's down there five people my neighbor is one of those and 
They're, just, they're opening up to bids, but the bids close on Thursday. If you would like to put in a bid, we're asking $170,000 for the opening bid. And he knew that the insurance company wanted it. He knew that there was a mega church in the area that wanted it. And here was this small, growing church plant that was still on subsidy through the central district, ministering to, you know that over 50% of that congregation is there because of conversion growth? Yeah. And they were praying, and God, you know, he said it was so painful to know that for $170,000 we could have this beautiful church, but we had, I think he told me they had 10000 left over. So he went to the Central District. And the Central District has a place in their budget called a grant fund where money has been collecting over the years. And as churches need it, they have that opportunity to, to pass it on. And a few years ago, there was a, a, a wonderful saintly woman. Uh, her last name was Weeby. And she passed away. But in her will, she had donated about a million and a half dollars to the central district to use for church growth. Yeah. That money was parked at NB Foundation where they managed that fund and the interest and everything, it grew. And now the central district that had a smaller pie at the very beginning was now a bigger pie. And so the trustees were talking, what should we do? Can we Give them a loan for $170,000. And as the conversation went on, it was like, well, we've got the money. We know he's good for it. We, we you know, their finances aren't, you know, how are they going to make the payments and the insurance and they need some repairs? And then one of them said, well, do we really want to give him a loan? And they thought, well, maybe he's going to back it up and say, we're not going to give you any money. But that wasn't his heart. God had been working in this gentleman's heart, and he says, you know what? I think we should just give it to him. And the central district, who had its money parked at NB Foundation, where it grew, Mrs. Weeby, who had the heart to impact the next generation, gave that money, and now this trustee, listening to what God said in his heart, came up with the idea of just giving it to him. And we were able to put in a bid for $170,000, the minimum bid. Christian wrote out, this is what we've been doing. Here are the people who have been impacted. This is our vision for Owatonna. And this is all we have. Knowing that they were going to be up against this mega uh, insurance company that wanted to actually tear the church down and expand their parking lot. Because it's downtown Owatonna, and parking is critical. The mega church, well, they have plenty of sites, and they had money. But we know that the insurance company's offer was in the millions. We know that the mega church had probably tripled the opening bid. And we know that the church people, those five, said, we want our church to continue, and we believe in you. 
And those people, some of them are still going there. And last Sunday, I was there. There's 170 people there now. Yeah. 170. Absolutely. Our finances, our heart towards God, those things have an impact because they show how it is that we are living out our lives on purpose for God's kingdom. And so I get excited because I get to work at a place like this. And I get excited when I see God repeating these things throughout history. Remember what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 8, 14. He was gathering up an offering for the church that was suffering because of the famine. And he was talking to a church that was relatively poor, very poor people. And he says, at the present time, your plenty will supply what they need. So that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. God is never laid on his bills. God will always provide. And we are the conduit that he uses. That gives us the opportunity to participate in his kingdom work. Now there's other places too. Maybe you've heard of a state called Utah that has a lot of people who are, who are Mormons. And that's, that's a pretty tough audience to break into, right? And you can see this one up here. This was our Lakeview Church. And now they have uh, a campus in uh, Stansbury Park as well as in Grantville. And they've had 50 baptisms since 2018. How about that? But one of the key things for them was they needed a facility. And where they're at, it's pretty expensive. But as Phil Weeb, by the way, he says it's Weeb, even though it looks like Weeby, right? It's Phil Weeb. He says, you know, having our own buildings was central to our ministry because it says that we're here to stay. Because what we find is that the people who come out of Mormonism, they have such an attachment to that cathedral, to that, that sense of this is where I am. And we're asking them basically to come follow Jesus. And it breaks a lot of those family ties. And if you're meeting in some little warehouse and it's like, you want me to give up the security that I have to go meet with a group of people that are sitting around on folding chairs, that doesn't feel good. And so a, a place, a place to call home was very important to them. There's also another place that I uh, just wanted to briefly highlight, and that's one actually up in Washington. I think they call it Tootle. I've, you know, I was in Washington for eight years, and I never heard anybody pronounce it, and I know they got some weird ways to pronounce things there. But uh, there was a man in, in one of our Slavic churches that God had laid on his heart a desire to have a place where Christian families and, and youth groups and Christian uh, gatherings could come and they could meet. And so he put together this desire, and after Mount St. Helens and all of that took place, uh, he found a property that he could buy, and we were able to help him uh, create this retreat center. And it's not necessarily a church but this vision that Andre had was, it's been used by God in such a powerful way. It's booked every single day. The families that are coming in there. And the thing of it is that they had one service. It was kind of like our youth camp. And we'll pray for their, our youth camp like, like they prayed for theirs. But they had over 300 youth in that one service commit to Jesus Christ. Yeah. Again, it's because people have invested with us, we manage their finances, and we distribute. 
either through loans or through uh, various uh, donor gifts or whatever it might be. And I'm just telling you these things because John says I have to. And uh, that's my boss, by the way. Right now, we have a loan profile of $132 million. And that's because we have 780 investors that have thought that we could be trusted with their finances, whether that's organizations, Christian organizations, churches, uh, or individuals who would buy uh, investments, those kind of things. And if you have done that, I just want to say thank you because you're changing lives. One of the things that we do, we also have uh, what we call BEDs. It, you know, it's biblical estate design. Uh, where people can come and they can set up their estate. We can help them with that. We can get things all set up so, so that it gets distributed. And we get that opportunity to, to watch them as they distribute their estate to all of these different ministries and to their churches, uh, to the Central District and all of these other places. And by the way, if you haven't filled out your will and got your estate in order, I'd encourage you to do so. And if, if you need some help... Uh, my card's in the back. We can get you hooked up, okay? But I'd also hope that you got your church in one of your categories of places that you would like uh, for some of your estate to go to. Go to. Also wanted to tell you that right now, everybody knows about the interest rates. Things are going up, and this is the world that we live in. And so we want you to understand that we have been paying what we thought was a pretty fair rate at, for our certificates. We raised them in May. And now we've raised them one more time and effective in August 1st. Uh, we're going to go back up again about three quarters of a point. Uh, so I encourage you, if you're interested in that, uh, come talk to me and I'll get you the material for that. Uh, that's usually people who have an, a certificate maybe and it's getting uh, time to, to, to renew it, those kind of things. But we also have a new rate and that's 5.10%. And that is for new money, if you will. And that's for 13 months. We're trying to be competitive, and we recognize that when we receive those funds, it gives us the opportunity to do some of the things that God is calling our churches to do. We are the bank in some ways. But again, our profits are not going to make uh, us rich at the foundation, but they're going out. They're being distributed for the kingdom of God. Now somebody says, well, that feels a little bit like the world. How come you're talking about interest rates in church? Do you know it's interesting that one-third of the parables that Jesus talked about were all about money? There's over 2,300 scriptures in the Bible about money. That's more than Jesus talked about heaven. Yeah? Money's important because money is a way of looking at our heart. Jesus says in Matthew, he says, you know, that you cannot serve God and money. He said, you, you have to know where your treasure is. And this is kind of why I gravitate to this quote from uh, Dr. Paul Tripp. I've got some books back there called Redeeming Money. And I encourage you, if you'd like a copy, go ahead and take one uh, because my box was full and it's a long way across the road to the car and I'd really not like to have it in my box when I go home. But listen to what he says. He says, God gives you money not so much to make sure that your kingdom works, but to connect you by grace to the work of a much bigger, much bigger, better kingdom. As you give yourself to the work of this kingdom, you get to watch your money do things that are literally of eternal consequences. The fact that that money was there for Christian 
recognizing that that gave him a tool that gave them the space, the margin in their budget to do what they were able to do. God gives us money not for our kingdom, but for his kingdom as we learn how to gather and manage and distribute. Now, I want you to look at this passage up here that, that I pulled out of there. And it is Father's Day, and it does talk a little bit about how we uh, understand our relationship to God. So what if we put our children there instead of money? God gives you children or family, not to make sure that your kingdom works, that you have a full quiver, that you, you have children running around the house, or that you have that sense of completeness or whatever some people want children for. But he says, God has given you children not so much to make your kingdom work, but to connect you by grace to the work of a much bigger, much better kingdom as you give yourself to the work of training those children, as, you, as he gives you those children so that you might implant in them the desire that God has for them and recognizing that God's kingdom is continuing on and forward. He said, you have the opportunity to watch your children, your family do things that are literally of eternal consequences right? have you ever those of us who have gray hairs have you ever wondered sometimes what it's you get those moments I got a phone call from my son Craig and he's up in Alaska and is just kind of a random call and he says dad I just been thinking about you and he says I know that you spent a lot of time with me and I appreciate you so much and you have shaped my life in so many good ways. And I was just calling to say thank you. I was so upset it interrupted my whole day. I had things to do. Are you kidding me? I could just about quote you that phone call. Because it pleased my heart so much to know that as fathers, as people of God, we have that opportunity to impact others. The next generation. And that's why we're here, to live a life on purpose, to have these type of things that are going on in our lives. I think it starts by us understanding that God placed us here on purpose, that this gathering that I'm speaking about is this time where we can take a, a, you know, an observation of who we are and what God has placed us in. What are our spiritual gifts? How has God molded us? What are our hobbies? Where are we working? That idea of what's in your hand. I always think about this a little bit in terms of, uh, you, you know, the feeding of the 5,000. You know, it, it's sort of like Jesus told his disciples, go get something from, you know, McDonald's down the street. Well, they didn't have McDonald's. And the disciples says, you know, we don't have any food and there's no place nearby. All we have is, that's right, one mother thought about her children. One out of 5,000, right? Thought enough to send a sack lunch. Two fish and five loaves, you know, two biscuits, or, you know, biscuits, not loaves of bread, but, you know. And Jesus says that'll be enough. It's the idea of gathering and saying, this is who I am. This is where I am. If your finances aren't in a great shape, it, it's okay. You go to God and you say, this is where I am. It's the same thing that we ask of other people when they come to church. Just come as you are. You start where you are, Right? They start where they are because that's where they are. 
when we gather, we gather things together and we say, God, this is what I see. This is my kingdom, if you will. This is what you've given me to minister over. And then to manage it well, to make sure that we're doing the things that God would want us to do and recognizing that as we do this, we're distributing the word of God. We're distributing the model of the kingdom. So Psalm 71, 18. By the way, I love this picture because it kind of reminds me in Proverbs, you know, that children are the crown of the father, right? Yeah. Doesn't that look like he's got a crown? Yeah. Yeah. Even to old age and gray hairs, oh God, do not forsake me because I still want to proclaim your might to another generation and your power to those who aren't even here yet. This idea that we know that God's kingdom is continuing to go forward. And he calls us to be part of that. And we know that sometimes things don't always turn out well. And sometimes, you know, at Father's Day, I, I, I wasn't sure I was even in the running. But I, I got a text message this morning. I don't, I'm breaking news here. But my daughter sent me a text message. It, it was a picture of my almost one-year-old granddaughter, which is far cuter than anything that you have on your phone. Okay, just saying. And then there was the message that says, you are the best father ever in capital letters. So I won. <laughs> I'm it. And I think, oh, man, that can't be right. Harry Chapin had a song, maybe you remember, it's called Cats in the Cradle. Yeah. It's a haunting song. Uh, most of us dads, you know, we think about it a little bit. It talks about this, this man who's not managing well. He's got a son, and he's going to work. He's trying to buy things, but he doesn't have time for his son. And the lyric goes on, it says, And the cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon, little boy blue and the man in the moon. I have no idea what that is. When you coming home, Dad? I don't know when. But we'll get together then. You know, we'll have a good time then. In finances, there's something that we call managing or margin in our lives. We recognize that, that we have to work at our finances and tell it what to do. You know, otherwise it just goes away. I have here a $100 bill. I didn't know I had it, to be real honest. My wife's in my wallet all the time. I don't know how it survived. But I have the opportunity to be the steward of this, and I get to tell it where to go and what it will do. I get that opportunity. And I know that once I break this $100, what happens? The rest of it goes away too, right? Nobody wants to break a hundred. Yeah. And I also know that this isn't mine, that if God is my Lord, that all that I have and all that I am is His. I belong to Him. And if God is not Lord of everything in my life, then I really don't have a Lord in my life. Does that make sense? Everything that we have. Margin tells us that we have to have time in our schedule for our children, that there needs to be some balance, that there needs to be some purpose. Or as Jesus says in Matthew 13, talking about the sower and the seeds, he says, here's the third seed, here's the third soil, if you will. 
He says, as for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfaithful. We can fill our lives with so many things. And he says, you know, if our lives are so full, there's no margin in it. If we're concerned, we're anxious about tomorrow, if we're not turning things over to God, if we're always trying to get money to give us satisfaction and we're reaching for more and more, we haven't set a cap on who we are in terms of our living expenses. We find that there's no time and we become unfruitful. But he says, on the other hand, the good soil is the person who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields. In one case, a hundredfold, in another 60, and in another 30. I got the opportunity to work for a farmer for one summer. Yeah? So I'm an official farmer. I did that when I was 17. I was tired of working for my dad. You know? He didn't pay very well. Yeah? yeah. He took some money out for living expenses. So, probably rightly so. 17-year-old. But I used to listen to the farmers, you know, well, how much do you think you're going to get off of this plot of land? Do you think you're going to get how many bushels? And we were always talking about yields. What about our lives? We look back, and we know that all we can do is plant the soil, or plant the seed in the soil. We know that God is the one who gives the growth. But we have been willing to participate and keep God's kingdom first. And because of what God does in our lives, some of us have that opportunity to see what God is doing. It's not up to us. I want to remind you of some verses about our Father. It says, The Spirit you received did not make you slaves, or does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption. We've been adopted by God as sons. And he says that we have the ability to call him Abba, Father. This idea of Abba is a term of endearment, something that a lot of people wouldn't think of when they think of God. Sometimes we think of God as the, the one who will judge, and there's fear and all of those things, but he says you have become adopted, and you are now able to have a relationship with Abba, Father. Another passage, 1 John chapter 3, says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is, why, or that is what we are. And the reason the world does not know us is that it didn't know Him. This idea that God has lavished His love on us because we are His children and we are impacting His kingdom. It says that he, in fact, is going to be the one who will provide for us. Jesus says in Matthew 6, he says, If any of you need anything, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks, it will be opened. Now that's not saying it's an American Express card and you can ask God for whatever you want. God will provide whatever we need in order to advance his kingdom. If it's of God, he is going to provide it. And it's not necessarily going to be coming from the clouds. It's likely to come from our community. It's likely to come in ways that we, have, uh, we might not understand. 
But we do know this, in Matthew 6, 7, 11, it goes on and it says, And which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? God is a good Father. And I love that that song was the one right next to uh, the sermon time. Because it was a reminder to me to make sure I put that in. It's in my notes. But God is a good, good Father. And He has given to us opportunities and He's placed us wherever we are in life. Whether we have gray hairs or whether we have no hair, I don't know. It doesn't really matter. Where we are is where we are and God will take care of us. And God will give us opportunities to impact the people around us. Matthew 28, we know it as the Great Commission, says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, a lot of times when we read that, that the, the verb we, that we think stands out the most is the first one. It says, Go, right? That actually we're charged with making disciples. And to make disciples means that we interact with them and we teach them and we pass on and we're involved in their lives and we are giving to the community that supports us as well. This word go is actually a word that means journey. As you are journeying through your life, at whatever stage in life you are, whether you've been diagnosed with a disease or it doesn't matter if you've lost your house, wherever you are, Go, as you are going, as you start your journey, go. And he will be with us always. Jesus promised us that the Holy Spirit would dwell within us, to guide us and to direct us and to equip us. So today, if you want to live a life on purpose, I would encourage you to look around and gather. What do you have? How has God influenced you? What are the things that God wants you to understand he's given to you? And how do you manage those things? What is it that God would have you to do? You know, in finances, we know some of those things that, that needed to be there. We, we first of all, got to get an accurate record of where we are. Uh, we know that we have to create a spending plan, right? We need to avoid debt, right? And we need to have margin in our lives. Because stuff always happens. How many of you have ever bought a house and the first thing that goes out is the water heater, right? Right? Things happen. To have margin in our life, to make room for those opportunities that we have to share our lives. Gather, manage, distribute, so that you might have impact for the kingdom of God. I have to say that in the years of ministry that I have seen over some 40 years, it still excites me when I hear about people's lives being changed and challenged. And I know that God has given us wonderful fathers, but we have a loving father who has given us the Holy Spirit to empower us and to direct us, who has promised us that if there's anything that we need for the furtherance of his kingdom, he will supply that we just need to ask. And if we lack wisdom, he says, ask. This idea that we are trying to do it by ourselves needs to go away. What we are doing is because the Spirit dwells within us, 
We've had role models before us, and we are role models in a community around us, and God has given to us the community, the church of God, that allows us to do some pretty incredible things. The generosity of all of us working together for the kingdom of God allows us to do that. But we first and foremost have to take care of our heart, don't we? Maybe I should give you an illustration. Maybe. See if I can remember. So you heard the story about the rich young man that came to Jesus, right? He said, you know, I've been keeping all of the commandments, every commandment I've kept. I haven't broken a single one of them. What do I lack for eternal life? And what was it that Jesus said that he was supposed to do? Do you remember? Go sell it all and give to the poor. And it says that Jesus loved that young man. And so he was disappointed when he turned and walked away. But I think what happened to that young man was that he continued in his lifestyle. This is his bank statement. Yeah. And I think that probably he spent a good portion of that money, you know, maybe a third of that money, on things for himself. Perhaps there were some parties. There, perhaps he was, you know, trying to impress people. And then he realized that his money's going to disappear. And so he says, you know, I'm going to have to divide my money. I'm going to have to make sure that I manage my money. So I'm going to invest in some real estate. I'm going to become a landlord. And the rest of it I'm going to use for my living. I want to make sure that I have the finest of everything. And then somebody said, well, that's pretty good, but you really should be, you know, doing something about your house. You know, there's several mansions out there that are much nicer than yours. And so he was thinking about it, and he decided, yeah, I think I need a fancy house. And then everybody says, well, now that you got a house, you, have you seen the latest Corvette? Yeah? Have you seen that latest Corvette chariot that's going down the street? He said, that thing is super fast. You need something like that. And then somebody said, you know, there's a guy over here. He's got some crazy idea about an airplane. Now, I know that's stretching it. We just jumped a whole lot of centuries, didn't we? Go with it. It's an example. He said, what if you had an airplane and you could go traveling wherever you wanted to go? Wouldn't that sound good? Just think of the adventures that you could have, the pictures you could bring back, the souvenirs. You need an airplane, right? And then some guy gets on the TV and he says he's going to build a rocket ship and just for a few million dollars, you can go up in outer space and you can go up on my rocket, right? So now he's on his rocket, yeah? What does Jesus say? He says, be careful of where you put your wealth because he says, you know what's going to happen is that moth and rust is going to come in, thieves are going to steal it, and that which you thought was secure is going to disappear faster than you think it's going to. You think you're secure, but in reality you're not because you haven't put your life in order. What Jesus was asking that young man to do was to make sure that Christ was the center of his money and the center of his life. Okay? So I'm asking, where is Christ in your life? 
Jesus says, you can't serve God in money. I want you here to participate. I want more stories like we've heard today. I want to thank you for allowing me to come. I want to thank you for your participation. I, I don't tell other churches this, but this has been my favorite church when I was a central district minister. So, yeah. And all of my children are favorites too, right? Okay. Can I pray for you? Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for the things that are taking place right now in New Mexico, Lord. I just know that you're working in the hearts of many kids there. I know that there is another generation coming. And Lord, if you tarry, I just pray that we would be full participants in however it is that we can participate. I pray, Father, that you would give us eyes to see the kingdom that you are allowing us to work in, allowing us to participate in. And Father God, I would just ask that we would be intent on serving you. May there be a harvest, not for our glory, but for yours. We ask in Christ's name. Amen. Please stand as we sing our last song. Thanks so much for listening to this week's sermon. We hope you were enriched and encouraged. If you have any questions about Christ or church or would like more information, visit our website at livinghopehenderson.com or email me directly at luke at livinghopehenderson.com. We hope you have a fantastic week. Take care and God bless.